Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode 39. I am exploring, exploring the uh, the depths of myself that has become more and more available through recognizing that I am here now. And that is all that I know. There's nowhere else that I should be. There's nowhere else that I need to be. There's nowhere else that I, nothing else that I need to be doing or should be doing that isn't here now. And when you can let go of all of those things, all of the extremities of where you think you're supposed to be or what you think you know, the meaning of life might be or what you think could be happening here and you relax and recognize that the extent of what you do know, the only thing you know, is that you are here now, it opens up a door that uh, I think very few people have explored, but... I'm certainly getting more and more enthusiastic about exploring just how much is in there. I'm so very grateful to be a part of this. I don't know what this is, but I know that every day we talk to people, we hear from people, we have insights regarding our own lives and ourselves as people. And it all seems to be going in a direction that is beautiful. And I know we talk about this a lot in this episode, and so I won't get into it too much here, but I do want to communicate very much that the community that is popping up as a result of us just feeling whole in ourselves is incredible. The fact that we're not trying to build a community, but that it is a result of our overflowing cups is something that I'll admit, I never knew if I would ever witness it in my lifetime. I never knew if it was possible, given how much we have to work against regarding the egotism that's habitually running the world right now. It's fantastic. And I find myself getting emotional regularly. And that's inspiring. And so I just want to say thank you, as always, to our listener, because things are changing. So with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is Dualist Community Raw, episode 39. Um, morning. It's Sunday. So... I don't know. Last week was kind of funny. Uh, Scott had joined us and I think he called it, I don't know, like Sassy Sunday or something like that. It very much is the case. And I think it's just because honestly, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I don't think about it too much because I'm so busy getting caught up in everything that we're doing. But quite frankly, I, I forget about my body very frequently. And so by the time we hit Thursday, I start to recognize that I've been running on like two or three hours sleep over two or three days. <laughs> <laughs> and I hit the wall pretty hard on Friday and then I get to go out or I get to hang out with my family or go and do some weird adventure in the world. And so I come back on Sunday just armed with some fresh perspective and a body that feels like it's been taken care of to some degree. And so I feel great on Sundays and you can definitely feel the energy in the morning when I get up and I go out for a walk and except for daylight savings time. That sucked this morning. Just wanted to say that very, very quickly. And, and the only reason is because it's fucking stupid. That's really the only reason. It's fucking stupid. It's not based on anything that really makes any sense whatsoever. But then again, that's also true for time zones and our calendar as a whole. I've talked about this before. I realized that. But it dawns on me that the only reason we really have time zones is because we are all insistent that noon must be 12 o'clock. Because think about it. If you move over to the next time zone, what's the difference? For them, 
the highest point of the day is just one o'clock. But no, no, it has to be noon. Has to be. So we have to draw this invisible line. So that way you can have your lunch at noon and I can have my lunch at noon instead of just one o'clock. So I can wake up at six o'clock in the morning as opposed to 11 o'clock in the morning and go to work for, for one. See, we don't like, I'd have to adjust. We could just all have the same clock. Wouldn't that be fun if all of us just had the same 24 hour clock? We just got used to using it according to where we lived. So for me, my day would start at 5 a.m. maybe, but that's when the sun's coming up. For someone else, their day would start at 9 a.m. when the sun is coming up. For someone else, they'd start at 11 p.m. when the sun is coming up. And what's fun about that is that we'd all live in the same day. There'd, there'd be no need for the international dateline. So we could just get rid of days. I'm just ranting now. Yeah, that's. I've never thought about it like that uh, before. I guess... It just goes back to our desire for, I don't know, desire for certainty and 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 lack of less need for awareness of things. Like we've talked about so many times with like crosswalks and stuff like that. You'd have to take an extra second to be aware of what's going on around you, like aware of your environment, aware of your surroundings. And with, uh, yeah, with the way things are set up, there's just less need for that the ability to structure things in a way that creates some i don't know standards standardized things where i don't know we're able to measure society in in different ways but yeah it's it's funny i i uh i got up same time this morning just tried to kind of wear it take that extra or, or less hour of sleep and and just kind of go with it. But I've been dealing with my own sort of thing this morning. I won't get into details, but if I, uh, <laughs> if I leave for a minute or two, just know that I'm probably in the bathroom. <laughs> totally uh, just wanted yeah. to mention, though, would this not make a lot more sense? Think about it. How often do you and I have to talk to somebody and say, OK, so we're going to book a one on one appointment. That'll be 9 p.m. my time. And 9 a.m. your time. Wouldn't it be nice to just say 9 p.m.? And we both know what that means. Yes. Yeah. Actually, thinking about it like that, it would be way more fucking convenient for everyone. It's like half-assed backwards the way we're doing it. But yeah, if we were just able to say, hey, 3 o'clock, and everyone has the same 3 o'clock. It's actually insane when you think about it like that, that we have different different times just fucking fucking absurd uh, you have to though, like just to have days. different days right yeah like that international dateline oh my god every time i look at that it just makes me chuckle because it's just they're just like how far are there humans to about here and then the poor cook islands are just fucked <laughs> it is funny it's like all of it's here you got australia and then a little bit east it's yesterday <laughs> And it's just because we just drew a line where basically most of humanity ends and we're like that. That's where the day ends. It's like the day hasn't. It's still now. Like, none of it makes any sense, except if you need to categorize things and organize things. It's kind of like that joke. Uh, why does the military have a 24 hour clock? Because only the military are doing things 24 hours a day. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh yeah i feel like it just reinforces the 
illusion that time is a th- is a thing like it's it's not because uh something something that kept hitting me like years ago was that everyone's experiencing the same moment across the entire universe across all of reality all the time is here and now obviously it's gotten a lot deeper since then but i would think about that sometimes and and having all of the time zones in different areas having the international dateline having all that stuff kind of pushes against that idea it and it makes me wonder you know with uh i doubt they're thinking about this when they're creating all of the structures and all of the i don't know confusion about everything if it's not a way the collective ego kind of keeps us from that recognition in a sense like if everything was as Ray was just saying, same time, all the time, it would be a little bit easier to see the inner connectivity between people and and environments and cultures and situations. But different parts of the world experience different hours and it kind of adds to the perception of division in a way. And without that, if it wouldn't be easier for all of us to recognize the lack of division. It would even change just how we look at just the concept of time, right? Like when I say nine o'clock at night, you immediately think darkness. I think darkness, right? But if we're just like nine o'clock, 9 p.m., this half of the 24-hour clock, that could be daytime at some other point on the planet. But we never think of it that way. And so we have this kind of weird superficial view of time and what's happening. Like it's always dark at this time. It's like, it's actually, it's not like at all there's a whole other planet that's totally lit up right now that's happening but we never think of it that way or at least rarely it's not that we never think of it that way sometimes we do i want to get into something else quickly just because i'm feeling ranting this morning um did you want to rant about anything quickly okay so good first thing i want to do is give a shout out to mark uh who was on a few of our roundtables and is often in our groups. And I want to say the way that Mark put it in one of our discussions that the recognition, you can just take whatever it is that you're chewing on in terms of your brain judging you and trying to figure out who you are and what your value is, and you can just put it down. And I love how he put that because that's very much the case. Once you recognize you can do that, you can go, oh, right. That's not as important as I thought it was. And you could just put it down. And as you start to do that, you start to recognize that, oh, shit, I can actually do this quite a bit. And I'm still interacting with my life. I'm still doing what I need to do. I'm not bypassing anything. I'm just not taking this all so seriously and adding weight to it. And so all of a sudden, it becomes easier and easier and easier. And so you start throwing yourself into situations. You start throwing yourself in challenging um, challenging things. And you just watch it all unfold, but you always go through the triggers of like, I'm not enough. I don't know if I could do this. Somebody might be smarter, blah, 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 blah. How do I look while I'm doing this? Any of that. And then you watch it go away. And so the practice is throwing yourself into the mix. So I went out on Friday. Uh, we went to a comedy club and then later we went to karaoke. And I will admit, I drank too much. I drank a good amount on Friday. Everything in moderation, including intelligence. Um, so while I'm hanging out, and, and I wanted to mention that I was hanging out with my wife and her friend. Now, both my wife and her friend are attractive ladies. And so here I am, goofy, 
not giving a shit, laughing, doing whatever it is that I do, wearing this face with these two attractive ladies at karaoke. And from across the room, there is this woman who is staring at my wife. And it takes her a few minutes, but you can see she musters up the courage and she comes all the way across the room and she comes up to my wife. She's like, I love your hair. Your hair is beautiful. And she's like, right into the conversation. You can see this is very much, I'm interested in you. And she's just not looking at me. Like I'm sitting, I'm sitting right there. And she's just not like, she's, she's almost like in front of my face, not looking at me. And Finally, because my wife it keeps looking over to me like there's another person here. Um, she goes out of her way to go, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me introduce you. That was rude. And she was not sorry at all. Um, and then she leans in and she's like, you know, who does your hair? And to me at this point, I'm like, what hair? I don't have any hair. Um, I just shaved my head. Oh, do you use a straight razor? No, just, just, just razor. Right. Oh, you missed a spot. She leans in to whisper, you missed a spot. And then she kind of giggles and says, sorry, I'm a barber. And then she takes off. And I thought it was so interesting because it was so obvious as to what was happening. But immediately being drunk, my brain goes through the whole loop of, did I miss a spot? Do I look foolish? Am I being judged? You know, am I, have people been looking at this this whole night? I'm with these two ladies. Oh my God, what do they think? And then it went full circle. I'm like, hold on, wait a second. Why do I give a fuck? I'm here, I'm here anyway, having a great time. Oh my God, that lady's trying to tear me down because she's hitting on my wife. And so within about 30 seconds, my face went through, I think at least a dozen different little facial expressions. And I just started laughing at the end of it. And I just thought it was the funniest transition to watch that for like barely a moment, it became a serious thing. And then the cycle went through and it became nothing. And I was drunk. So that was pretty impressive. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's so funny how quickly you can get you can get to a point where you go through that so quickly but again like you said it's not to say that you didn't go through something you just went through it at a more rapid pace than you used to whereas you know maybe back you know 30 years ago that loop would have taken like a month or something instead it of 30 seconds my night that i know of I know for sure I wouldn't have been able to go up and sing. I would have gotten uncomfortable. I probably would have uh, excused myself and went home and like checked my hair or, or firstly, I would have went to the bathroom to look and I'm happy to say that never fucking happened. Nice. That, that, that even that's impressive, honestly, not even to be, to let that curiosity take you over and curiosity, concern, fear of judgment, whatever it may be is, uh, that's impressive, but it is so funny, like how quickly you can catch when someone like her, maybe, maybe she thought she was being kind of sly with it. Maybe she, she didn't think you would know what she was trying to do exactly, but it was super obvious the whole time, especially given how much she was talking to Melissa beforehand and just like the whole situation. It's like, oh, it makes, actually it makes perfect sense why you're trying to tear me down that is very obvious why why you're trying to do that and i find it funny when people just in any situation are clearly acting out of an insecurity trying to be you know 
build themselves up and and validate sort of how they feel through whether it's patting themselves on the back or tearing someone else down. There's lots of ways that you can do it. But when you know that that's how insecure people act, it becomes way more obvious where it's all coming from. So that's uh, that's really funny and, and good on you for for cycling through that so quickly. But yeah, again, not to say you didn't go through a couple thoughts. They were still there, but you just are able to work through them that much more quickly. And then I went about the bar the rest of the evening. And every time somebody went up and sang, I went over to the bar, over to them. I'm like, that was awesome. Well done. And I was just for the rest of the night, I was just that bright, radiant light, just kind of walking around karaoke. And she was staring at me and she was not happy, not happy because it just, it failed. Right. It failed. And so how do you feel after that? You feel defeated. You feel bashful. And why? Because you overcommitted into a strategy to validate yourself. And it's always that. And you can always just, put it down. Just get up and sing. Have a good time. Get along with me too. You know, you can hit on my wife. I don't care. <laughs> Go nuts. Uh, yeah. Cause if you do, it's almost like, it's interesting. Cause it's almost like when you put yourself out there, say you ask someone out and they don't, they they're like, Oh no, I'm okay. Or like ask someone, you know, can I buy you a drink, whatever. And they're like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm not thirsty or, you know, whatever the fuck they say. And, uh, because then on the flip side, if someone does something like that, it's the same sort of defeatedness feeling. You're putting yourself out there. It's just in a very you know negative kind of way. But but either side of it, it's not to say that if you if you ask someone out and they say no and you feel bad about it. I'm not saying that everyone who does that is super insecure, but you don't have to feel bad about that either at all. And so on the flip side, when someone sticks their neck out and gives someone an insult and, and it's like success in that moment, because you wanted them to feel worse, would be them feeling worse. It would be the equivalent of them saying yes to going out on a date with you. So when they don't feel worse and they're actually like bouncing around and your comment is completely irrelevant to them and it's so clear that it actually didn't impact them it's the it's probably the same sort of internal feeling as getting denied when asking someone out on a date it's just the flip side of it i've never thought about how it's like equal sides of sort of the same spectrum and probably a very similar feeling because it was clear that they them and their comment like didn't fucking matter to you <laughs> oh and it just it just ended the conversation with melissa because at that point, everybody just kind of got weird and awkward. <laughs> it's just like, it's happening here. And so they ended up ruining their own night. And for what? And just don't take yourself so seriously. Could have sat down, had a beer with us, you know, shot the shit for the rest of the evening. That's it, right? It's just you get so committed to a certain end result. And so you have to suffer the emotional spectrum that goes with that. Speaking of which, are, are you good for another rant? Awesome. Um, we just released the community topics episode on simulation theory. And what's interesting in that is that I actually mentioned at one point that a lot of people who are listening to this episode or even requested the topic are looking for a how-to manual on control. How do I affect the simulation? I am happy to say that I have received no less than four fucking messages from people this morning, literally with theories on how to alter the simulation based on that episode. So thanks very much for proving my point. Okay, now now I'm curious. What were what did they get out of that that we don't always fucking talk about 
all the time. Like, where did they take that? That because we're literally always saying that you have influence over yourself as reality. But what, like, what perspective did they take from that episode? I got a bunch of stuff, not not the least of which was something along the lines of, uh, okay, so, you know, back when we were source and working from 4D, you know, if we can just use such and such as equation and get back to the recognition, it's like, okay, (laughs) I understand. Your brain is just like problem solving. I get it. I really do. Like, I understand you're, you're just like, how do I manipulate this? There is no this. That's the problem with this conversation. There's no this. It's just you. So the counterintuitive thing, unfortunately, is the thing. Let go. Let go. There's no equation to this. There's no lever that you got to like move. There's no switch that you got to flick. There is nothing that you can do in terms of active fucking control to manipulate this because that's all you're going to get back. See, every time you fight yourself, you're making yourself stronger. Every time you try to manipulate yourself, you're not being yourself. And the whole thing that we're saying is the simulation is you. It's a false show for what you are. You can't get out of the show by trying to manipulate the show. That's the point. If we're saying anything, it's that you have to go below the show. You have to get to the code. Well, what's the code? You are. It's not even code in the way that you would look at the matrix because it's all potential in the here and now. It's not the same as you're used to thinking. We're used to thinking in terms of a linear timeline. We're used to thinking about things from the physical perspective. As long as you are, that's not it. Yeah, I always uh, I find it interesting how people because because if people are watching up to date community topics, odds are they're they've watched other episodes. But how often because we've been through that, like as much as that conversation was very much about specifically about simulation theory, we were talking about the same thing we're always talking about, just <clears throat> saying you know simulation, the show, the perception of division. All of that sort of is the simulation, but it's it's a perception shift. It's a perspective shift, and and how you see yourself. And you know, in the in the grand old show, in the quote unquote simulation, you perceive yourself as something separate from it. So thinking this is something the simulation, this is something that you can manipulate, is part of the false show. Is part of simulation so you like you're reinforcing it as you're trying to manipulate and control it that's still within the realm of of it and it's uh it's i find it so fascinating because we've talked and i'm not saying like that anyone should ever believe anything we say anything like that but we've talked about a bunch of shit and we've gone through a bunch of different things in a hundred and coming up on 165, 170 episodes. And we very much have progressed through a conversation of these things to the point that it fascinates me that on our, you know, 160 something episode, that's like the basics right there that we've talked about is, is that it's, it's not something separate. 
nothing is something separate. And I wonder about that. And I know Ray and I have talked about it, but how people can watch so many episodes and still be clinging to so much desire for control and desire for certainty. And I get it because, again, it's it's not to say that just because you listen to Dualistic Unity that it's going to it's going to click necessarily, but there's still, and, and uh, we've talked about just cognitive dissonance in the past and how much we, that desire for that control, that desire for that certainty runs so deep that no matter how you hear it, you're still going to want to cling to the idea that you can still have it, that it's still there. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm letting go of my idea of myself. I'm I'm not what I think. Control is an illusion. But like eh, if I get that, then then I have then maybe I can have some control. It's like, ah, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, come on now. It's not like that's it. That's still the desire for it. There's not a place where you understand this that like you get control. It's not like you recognize that you're God. You're like, oh now I now I get control. Now I'm the creator of all of this. And I, I can create whatever I want all the time. And, and whatever I say goes, and I get to manifest everything and anything and everything. It's like, you just in that desire limited yourself to being back to, you know, not God, <laughs> basically. It's like you, you manipulated yourself back into the illusion through desiring that control and through desiring that certainty because you don't have faith in yourself anymore. That's where the desire for control and certainty comes from. And so it's like flip-flopping almost back and forth because if you had faith in yourself, you wouldn't need certainty and control. As that faith drops, you desire it. Like you've completely missed the boat again. You've forgotten or, or conned yourself into rec- like thinking that you are what you think you are. Again, immediately, as soon as that comes back. But I don't know. I just find it interesting how out of that conversation, like we went in and out of that quite a bit. And it was no different than anything we've ever talked about, just from a different from different verbiage, basically. So that's uh that's so interesting that people are still coming at it like I don't know, desiring that control again. Yeah. Well, it's it's understandable and it's kind of habitual, but it really is. I think if there's anything that we're trying to catch, it's that. Right. And I, again, like even trying to catch it, like, are you trying to control? It's like, all right, fine. Then we're in the process of catching. Let's just say it that way. Cause that's really all it is. Like you can't even beat yourself up for not catching it. Right. Because then you're just trying to control it again, but you can catch it. And if you are catching it, well, that means you're changing. Right. So it's just a matter of how much are you getting lost in what you're used to? How much are you reaching back for something that's familiar as opposed to just letting yourself change? Right. We're always putting the brakes on when it comes to the change we're already expressing because we're afraid of it. So we reach for the past, which is familiar and addictive. So good example. There's a question here in uh, the comments section. And we've heard this question so many times and it's really important. I have officially let go of what ifs and should be. Now I'm not sure what to do. Advice? None. I have none. I have no advice for you because if you've let go of shoulds and ifs, do something. That's pretty much it. That, that's all it is. Do something. 
jump in, see what happens. And when you start to beat yourself up again, time to practice those shoulds and ifs again. Once you've gotten through that cycle, do something else. And that's it. The whole thing is watching that cycle diminish over time. That cycle of identity, that cycle of self-judgment, that cycle of needing to feel in control, seeing yourself as separate from the experience. If you know that's the game, then all you need to do is give yourself opportunities to cycle through your old beliefs, your old habits, your old thoughts, your old um, strategies for feeling better or evaluating yourself. That's it. Jump into a situation. Go out with someone on a date. Watch yourself. Fear their judgment. Cycle through it. Laugh at yourself. Do it again. Yeah, I always... uh... That question is is funny because <clears throat> a lot of times people will be in a situation where it's like, okay, I've let go of the the shoulds, all this stuff, but they're they're still in a very comfortable environment. They're still in an environment that they've been um, feeling good in for a while. And as Ray as Ray just pointed to, like, put yourself in a situation where you aren't so familiar or you aren't so comfortable because people will will think that and they'll say and especially you know they're uh they're meditating a bunch and it's like yeah it's super easy when your eyes are closed and you're sitting in a corner to uh let go of all of the all of that need and all of that desire and the shoulds and the all of those things but you put yourself in a situation where you aren't so familiar where you are uncomfortable where you do feel a little bit afraid of something and and just watch watch that desire watch those uh that desire for control and certainty come back like that is where the work is done is putting yourself in those situations so when you recognize there's nothing you have to do there's nothing you should do start doing stuff that you're not familiar with and that's where the work begins to happen is in those types of situations cuz it's easy to sit there and be like oh there's nothing I should do when like you're barely doing anything or you're doing a bunch of things that you've always known and you've gotten super comfortable with. But as soon as you put yourself in another situation, it's not going to be quite as easy to uh, remember all of those things. But yeah, that's like letting go of the shoulds, letting go of the, the idea that there's anything you have to be doing is like where this journey starts. And then there's like, an infinite depth to being where you're at and exploring your potential and all those things. And not to say, again, not to say when you, when you let go of those for a bit that they're not going to come back, like they come, you cycle in and out of those all the time. It's not a permanent thing. So if you're like, Oh, there's nothing I should do now. Now I don't know what to do. Like uh, savor that, like do something in that state, free state of mind. Because it's it's not going to last forever. It's not always going to be that type of state. And as you experience more of yourself, explore that potential, it's going to come up. But then as it comes up, you have the opportunity to let it go as it comes up. But it's always uh, it's always funny when people first recognize that there's nothing they have to do or should do. And I'm only speaking from very recent experience for myself. And I still constantly cycle in and out of that. So I'm not saying like, 
oh, other people letting go of that. It's like me letting go of that. I find it funny that I let go of that and I'm still like get caught up in it or get uncomfortable. Like, well, what should I do? It's like fucking do something, bro. Go try something. Do something you've never done before. Do something else. Do something different. Like anything. But like we're so used to having that that uh, tether to the should, to the need to, to the shouldn'ts, that it gives us that sort of blueprint, that idea of of uh, some some control almost in a way, the perspective of control. And as that drops, it's like yeah, it's uncomfortable because you're free for the first time. You're finally free. So go explore freedom because you never have. Go find out a little bit what it's like instead of just sitting there like, okay, nothing I should do. Shit. What do I do? Like immediately, as soon as that happens, it's, it's, it's fascinating how quickly we go from dropping those narratives to feeling uncomfortable right away. And we're like, what, what should I do? I let go of the shoulds. What should I do? It's like, yeah, are you, did you not hear the first thing he said? (laughs) Hey man, you spend a lifetime doing something. It's it's hard to kick, you know. It's it's hard, absolutely. You know, it's just like um, trying to deliberately piss your pants. Have you ever tried to deliberately piss your pants? It's ridiculously hard, and it's because you've spent your whole life resisting the urge to pee while you have your pants on, and so you have developed this habitual mechanism that protects you from pissing yourself. I should you not try it one day. Probably with a pair of pants you don't need anymore, but, you know, and, and in a place you're not going to make a mess. But I'm trying to tell you, like, you're going to have a hell of a hard time doing it. You really will. And it's because everything in you is just like, no, we don't do this. This is not what we do. This is definitely not what we do. Why? Why? Outside of the obvious, right? Normally, it's just because we're habitually used to not doing it. Right. And then when we do do it, we feel shame and all this other stuff. Right. But at the end of the day, it's just hard as taking a shower and changing your fucking pants. Right. It's really not that big a deal. But our brain makes it into a deal because we make it into a deal habitually over years and years and years and years. We do that with so many things, so many things. We don't even recognize how many railings we've put around ourselves over the course of our life. Damn, that is a very good example that uh, that kind of puts it in perspective for me. Like as we build these crazy habits, of course, there's going to be like such a strong resistance to doing the thing that we've habitually reinforced or, or doing the thing that's the opposite of the thing we've habitually reinforced through our entire life. But yeah, because if I tried to, pee my pants i'd have to let go of all of the ideas about it that i've reinforced for my entire life like all of them just in order to be able to to get to a point where it's something i could imagine doing and then it's actually doing it also so it's like multiple layers beyond that like all the the reasons that you told yourself when you were younger you shouldn't do it. Like people are going to make fun of me. You're going to feel shame, blah, blah, blah. But then your personal discomfort of your fucking pants being wet. And, and, and then actually after so long, having physically resisted it, letting that go. And that idea that, that you can't do it go. So that, I mean, that's a, 
I will keep that in mind when I'm talking with people about the habitual nature of things because yeah, I peeing my pants would be super fucking difficult, but not impossible. Also, just take a lot of letting go. Exactly. And that's just peeing your pants. Now imagine identifying, measuring your value through comparison to assumptions. Something that you've done to survive your entire life. Now you're trying to stop or rather you're trying to put it in context so that way you don't immediately believe it's truth. That's so much harder. And it is the cornerstone of what you consider to be existence. So if you're questioning everything, you're questioning everything. And there's a lot, there's a lot. This is the thing we keep trying to get to this end point where it's like, aha, I've got it, man. Infinite layers, infinite fine lines. It really is a dance. Once you stop taking it seriously, it becomes a dance, which becomes an act of fluidity, which is an act of faith. So I just wanted to take a quick moment here to announce that we have our California mini retreat coming up on April 11th to April 15th. And it's going to be a blast. There's no agenda. There's no thing that you got to try to be or become. Just time to express yourself. Time to be yourself. Time to find out. What is it to be myself? Can I really just do that? Can I really just let go? Can I really just show up without any preparation whatsoever to every situation that I get into with a bunch of people doing the same and a bunch of games to play as you do it? We're going to play some pool. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to hang out. It's the dopest sleepover that you could possibly go to. And you can join us and save $150 by using code BIGBEAR150 at dualisticunity.com. Just go to the California mini retreat details. You'll find it in the navigation bar. Enter the coupon code, and you can use this coupon code in addition to your already existing Patreon discount. Very much looking forward to seeing you there. All comes down to sensitivity and letting go. It's not what your brain wants it to be. If it was, this would be way easier. And that's what you always see, like we've talked about, even uh, even spiritual people. We, I know we talked about this um, quite a bit the last few weeks, um, just how how they're sort of on that other side of the wall. And I made a video yesterday. I was thinking about, like, you know, the meaning of life and, and the whole sort of thing I've been chewing on with the depth of being here now, like how much once you let go of the idea that anything else should be happening right now. It's like, then you can begin to drop into where you're at. But until you let go of those things, it's very difficult to drop in to where you're at. And as I was kind of talking through that, it, it was hitting me just how much this isn't spiritual at all. Like none of this is spiritual. And we have been, saying that a bunch but it hit me even harder that like spirituality isn't it like people point to it like uh oh i'm i'm getting into spirituality blah 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 you're clearly into it blah 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 and it's like in and out of it like i was sort of in it and caught up in it but it's just another thing to get caught up in it's just another thing it doesn't get you to the recognition that this is all you that you're it, that you're experiencing yourself through a perspective, a perception, but it, it keeps you from recognizing how deep 
that goes and how much it's expressed through everyone and everything else in all of reality. Like spirituality keeps keeps you from that. It keeps you kind of in the, you know, sort of trapdoor analogy of diving into being here now and everyone being caught up in like, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? And while they're standing on the fucking trap door, and if they just relax into that, they can open the door and, you know, explore that door, that explore that very, very unexplored door of being here now. Spirituality doesn't allow, spirituality keeps you from the exploration of that depth. It actually keeps you from it. And it, and I know we've been talking about like meditation and all that sort of thing. And, a, a big part of me, just because of my own experience, wants to say that, you know, it, it can help you get there. But I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if it's completely, it's like totally other different types of recognitions at play outside of spirituality that got me to a place that I recognize that I'm not what I think as much as I, I want to say, oh, I was on a, you know, sort of spiritual journey. And then it, it got to this point, it's a different conversation now. And so, and when I'm on like a podcast or something, talking to a host about it, and I'll kind of run through my, my experience, it's like everything leading up to the day that I recognize I'm not what I think I am. It's like pointing to it, but then it all, the whole thing switched it wasn't about any sort of spirituality anymore. It was just about exploring myself, letting go of the ideas that I was clinging to. And that's like the only process is recognizing that you're not what you think you are and letting go of all of the things that you thought that you were. But there's, I don't know, I'm starting to see spirituality as just like this sort of separate thing that's not interconnected with it. And it's, but it's still pointing to it with like, you know, the law of one or unity and all that shit. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Problem, Andrew, is that you are not resonating from your heart chakra. You need to get in tune with your spirit animal. Possibly find a location that's on the ley lines at a conjunction in the ley lines. Don't know if you know about ley lines. Um, all that shit. And none of it matters. None of it matters at all. There are no chakras. Like, those are all just symbolic points of focus. That's all they are, right? We just keep standardizing and categorizing everything. And then we fall into the structure thinking the structure is pointing at the truth. And it's like, no, no, the structure was always just a bastardization of the truth. The structure is in fact happening because the truth is not being seen anymore. So it's, it's like, oh my God, I'm losing it. I got to make a sketch. I got to write this down before I'll fucking lose it. And it's already gone even in just the desperate act to try and sketch this down and pass it on to humanity and all that shit, it's gone. There's no humanity to pass it to. Know it. That's it. Embody it and it ripples through you, just like anything else, anything you do in your own body, right? If you change your mindset, your body follows. Nothing has, there's no difference with the rest of the universe. Okay, it's not about changing your thoughts. That's one thing I want to make abundantly clear because that's another thing that kept coming up about the simulation thing. Oh, so I just got to change my thoughts. Nah, 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 nah. No, no, your thoughts are, are the result, the result of your view 
the result of your perception or your dominant viewpoint of yourself, however you'd like to look at it, they're just springing from that. Changing your thoughts does not change where they're coming from. Again, it's not as simple as we'd like it to be. And like all of those practices, the desire to change your thoughts, the desire to write things down, the desire to pass it on to humanity, it all reinforces the illusion that you're not it. So as soon as, even in the fucking process of trying to, oh my God, even in the process of trying to make your message clearer or, or get it to a point where other people, other people I have in quotes for those, for those listening, understand it better. Like that's uh, you're, you're bastardizing it in every moment that you're trying to do that. But uh, like, how do you, how do you reconcile with that because it's all you everyone you talk to is you and so can uh like can you stay clear with it i get can you stay clear with it and still try to communicate it or is it just communicating it for the sake of communicating it is it like the uh the underlying desire is what makes it or lack of desire is what makes it it's not to say that Communicating it in any way is is bad or wrong or anything, but I guess it's the underlying intention behind it that changes it. Is that kind of the balance? It's like everything else, doing it because you can, because you are, because it's an extension of what you've become. I was saying this to my wife the other day because uh, I was talking to somebody recently and they had the audacity to say that I was kind and immediately my past self just screamed in anguish and it's like bullshit rah, all that stuff and and so I, I went Shh, you don't know what you're talking about and uh i thought about it for a second i went you know i i definitely see where that's coming from and it's kind of neat that i've become that person and it's not through trying to be kind it's through just not having anything to hold on to just through not having any weight right there's no burden that i carry so it's very easy for me you know to express kindness which is really just empathy for myself right it's really just empathy for myself that's all it is the less i see the division the more i'm just acting out that loss of division that recognition of unity and that's what it is that's all this is even dualistic unity i'm happy to say that every point that we've seen growth in dualistic unity i've always heard the thought we can change the world and squashed the thought that there's a world to save Right, because that would change the tone, wouldn't it? We'd be like, "You gotta get out there, you gotta change things, people. Mobilize, mobilize. We need a spiritual army." Like, there's all this shit that would happen with that urge for control, and that's not what we need. What we need is to be whole in ourselves, individually, in order to be whole collectively, because they're the same thing. We just don't see it that way. And on that note. Actually, I, I wanted to express something that had me super emotional last week. And um, I want to share it with the community because this is exactly, I think, what we're trying to do. If there's anything we're trying to do, just be here for each other. Um, someone in our community last week had a rough go with some egotistical 
people in their life um, who are reactive and easily threatened, uh, fragile, let's just put it that way, can't see the relationship that's in front of them because they're too busy trying to self-validate. And in doing so, they put this person in a position where they had to leave their home in a very short period of time. And we've expressed numerous times in the last, I don't know, 17 months, um, we're not making a whole lot of money from dualistic, from dualistic unity at the moment. We're, we're really just doing what we can to keep going. So we don't have the resources to help people in the way that we would like to down the road when we are able to take advantage of uh, <laughs> corporate advertisers and whatnot. There's a lot that we'd like to do for ourselves in all of our different forms if we have the resources to do so, but we don't. But what we do have is you. What we do have is a community of people who are starting to feel more whole in themselves. And so they go out of their way to see if they can benefit other reflections of their self or of themselves. And, and I just wanted to mention that that happened in this case. Um, somebody from the community went out of their way to touch base with this other person and help them find a place to land in the short terms until they figure out what they can do from there, helping them you know, find uh, employment. Apparently uh, there was a bit of synchronicity in that the possibility of where they currently work and have been employed and not necessarily enjoying it, actually possibly opening up an avenue later to get employment where they currently are. So as always, things work out regardless of our preferences often. But I just wanted to say that that in itself, that that's more than I could have ever hoped. Just for some version of myself who's got nothing and no one to turn to, to suddenly have a part of themselves reach out because they can, not because they're looking for something or to try to feel like they're the savior, but because they can, because they're taking care of themselves. And I'm going to say right now, holy fucking shit. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to the person I'm talking to, but also to you, listener, just because the growth that you're doing in yourself makes everything change as you continue down this path. You don't have to be kind. You don't have to go out there and save the world. Nobody's asking you to be the hero. But just by virtue of you having less weight, you will be more willing to help other people carry theirs until they can put it down. That's all this is about. It's all it's about for me. I just have less weight. And so I just want to help everyone carry theirs for a little bit and explain that they can put it down. And if we all do that together, it's, we're going to make things a lot lighter on everyone. Yeah. When I uh, heard about all of that, it was very emotional to say the least. It was like goosebumps, tears, just like, holy shit, that actually just happened. That is incredible. And that if, if, anything makes all of this worth it it's shit like that because it's amazing and it just goes to show like as as you don't have this urge to think about yourself all the time you don't feel like you need to think about yourself all the time you don't need to build up your value through all of your own sort of resources to yourself to reinforce the idea that you're worthwhile or anything you have just more space. Like if you could spend a full day not thinking about yourself at all, it's like, what else is there to do? But be in service, but see where you can help other iterations of yourself out and express, you know, express that freedom. And all of that is helping the collective as yourself, yourself 
as the collective. But it's uh, it's cool to see that it's not it's not about building yourself up. It's about letting yourself go and seeing what's possible once you do. Seeing all the extra fucking space and energy that you have and ability. Like there, there. What else would there be to do once you're taken care of? And by you take being taken care of, I just mean letting that idea go, <laughs> letting the concern for your value being raised or lowered go. And in that, empathy has its own action. And you just continue on <laughs> being free in yourself and and helping as much as, an, as often as you can, because why not? You know, why not? So, yeah, again, shout out to... Uh, and. You know, they, they know who we're talking to right now. So thank you very much. It's, uh, it's powerful to see that sort of thing in action. And, uh, it's just fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Anybody in our discord, you'll more than likely know who we're talking about. So we're not going to mention them on the podcast, but, um, I wanted to say actually that this, this brings up another good point and something that I've always found to be, I think the, the flaw in terms of charity organizations, because it's not enough to just give money, right? It's really not like, because that money gets distributed to a lot of things that you don't know that money is getting distributed to. And I know from working with charities that a lot of that administrative cost is, it's more than you might consider. Let's just put it that way. It's definitely more than you'd expect. Um, So it's difficult to just give money to charity and feel like you're doing anything. And more importantly, it's difficult to just put yourself out there on the line and say, I want to help people because there are so many piranhas in the water that just want to help themselves and they will help themselves to you with no consideration for the fact that you are putting yourself out there with openness and vulnerability. You have to keep that in mind. We're still surrounded by the ego, largely. And so it's not necessarily just as simple as, you know, go out with your cup overfloweth and change the world. It's also about genuine connection, because I think a big part of this was the fact that not only was one person in need of some assistance and another person able to offer that assistance, they knew each other. They had talked to each other. They had a feel for one another's intentions. And so it meant something. Because you weren't just putting yourself on the line and going, oh, God, I hope this person doesn't burn my house down. Right. You actually had a feel for who it was or or rather for how much they recognized that they're you. Right. So that empathy was able to act in a in a bigger way than just being egotistically self-validating, which is often what charity work is. Just saying, unfortunately, that is the case. Often it's like I am coming from on high to help you. I don't actually see myself in you. Um, So I think that as dualistic unity expands. I think a big part of this is, is what we've been saying in terms of like a change in government, right? Like we keep talking about how the fact that we have such a large overreaching government that affects everyone, that it immediately drives a division between people who think differently, who act differently, who live differently. Communities ultimately should be helping each other, helping themselves, that they should be more connected, but we're not connected. We barely talk to our neighbors most of the time. And it's because, frankly, we know the kind of mentality that they're most likely going to be in, which is taking care of themselves in a world that they think doesn't give a fuck about them. So they themselves are not necessarily safe. And so we feel disconnected from our communities and whatnot. And so I think a big part of dualistic unity is just 
bringing people together. I think that's really all it is, is offering groups where you can talk to other people about the same thing, about that process of letting go of the division, of letting go of identity, of letting go of your needs and your wants and your desires and your, you know, your, your control and all that stuff. And you let go of that and you're talking to other people, letting go of that. It's kind of like, a, like we've joked about before, like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, except it's like Egotism Anonymous. It's really, it's just, you know, we can call it a support group, but it's connection. It's what we're supposed to be doing with one another. And so as those groups spread, not just online, but possibly even in person, more and more people are going to be able to connect. More and more people are going to feel that empathy in action, and they're going to reach out and help one another because not only do they know it will be well-received, but they've done the work that makes it easy to want to give. So there's a perfect combination of wanting to give and, and having it received by somebody who has the wherewithal to appreciate it because they see it's coming from themselves based on the work they're doing on themselves. So I think that's a huge part of what we're going to be doing moving forward. And I find it so telling that this week I have talked to at least three or four people who have offered to host groups for us in their towns or online. And I think this is a fantastic idea. Andrew and I are doing some brainstorming about how we can best facilitate that. Um, as I said, we don't have uh, a budget <laughs> at the moment. Um, but if you have, I don't know, uh, a large room in your basement that you're willing to host a, a few people coming over, maybe you can watch an episode of Dualistic Unity. You choose the episode that week, maybe community topics, watch it together, pause it, have a conversation eat some chips, have some coffee, whatever. The point is, is it's just, it's kind of like a book club. You just get together semi-regularly. If you can host that and, and, and have people come and chat with you at your place, or, or if, if you've got, you know, um, a community hall that doesn't cost you anything or anything of like that, hell, I mean, you can even offer to host these groups by donation. Ask people to help, you know, pitch in five bucks here and there or two bucks, and then you can, you know, get some munchies for everybody, whatever it might be. But you let us know you're doing that. You start doing this. We would love to hear about it. We'd love to see a photo of all of you hanging out or a video just saying, hey, we're just watching this episode or whatever it is. Hell, maybe we will even reach out to you and, and do a surprise uh, Zoom visit with your group one week just to touch base and, and encourage you on. We would love that. But I think that is what happens next here. I, I think that what happens next is that anybody who's interested in doing more, do more. And we're happy to be here for you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, eventually get to a place when we do have some sort of budget to sponsor more events like that and whatnot. Um, but it's funny because, you know, people people always want to you know what 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 the what's the thing with it? What's uh, is it? Is this like a religion? Is it like a spiritual thing? And, and even just thinking about these groups, how much people would want to playing and, and desire for some certainty with it. They want a label and it's like, nah, it's just people hanging out, connecting, letting go of their shit, recognizing that they don't have to hold on to so many things, recognizing that they're whole and complete as they are, recognizing that there's no way for their value to fluctuate all of that stuff. And all, none of those things are spiritual. None of those things are a belief system. None, none of those things need a religion to be involved in it. It's just connecting with myself and, Letting go of the things that are keeping me from recognizing that I'm just connecting with myself. Like that's that's pretty much it. It's not, there's no label, there's no need to be 
belong to a certain thing, you belong to yourself. <laughs> and that's that's the extent of it. But I, I always just find it so interesting. And even in uh in having communications with people about what so what's the podcast about? You know, what's what are you what are you doing? What what do you talk about? And it's like there isn't a thing to point to besides experiencing reality. Oh, we're talking about experience. We're talking about, I don't know, letting go of the things that are keeping me from recognizing that I'm just reality, that I am what is. That's that's kind of the extent of this conversation is recognizing. I don't mean to sound uh, like an ass, but like recognizing the obvious that's become very, very difficult to see. Recognizing the logical obviousness. I've always been a very logical person. And like the the belief systems, the narratives, the stories, the religions, they're all very illogical. They don't really make much sense, but we're just so afraid and so insecure that we're like, just let me grab onto that. And that's the extent of it. There's no logic involved in those belief systems, even in even in spirituality and, and with the conversation of, um, you know, the meaning of life. Like, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but there's some things that we've been avoiding for a very long time that are quite obvious. Like the fact that you're here now, you are here now, and that's the extent of what you know. That's, that's, that's it. You're here now. It's the only thing you know. So the meaning of life, well, it, it shifts the conversation a little bit more because you're here now. And as you let go of all of the things that are taking you out of that very obvious logical recognition that, that that's the extent of what you know, as you let go of everything else, things get a little bit clearer because all of the belief systems, all of the ideologies, all of the you know, spirituality is taking you from that core recognition. The only recognition that you can actually say is true. Like the only thing, you know, is that you're here now. And, and so if we can base conversations around that and explore that, then we can actually dig in a little bit, but we're all looking, you know, we're here now we're looking everywhere else wondering, Oh, what's, what's this all about? What's this all about? It's like, let's go back to the fucking obvious logical recognition and go from there, dig into that. But we're always avoiding that. It's fascinating. And people will be like, oh, no, no, maybe this. Well, you don't know. You don't know any, any more than I do. What do you think you're right? Are you not here now? Well, I had someone say like, well, yeah, that's just your belief. It's like, bruh, are you not here now? And they're like, it doesn't matter. It's your belief. I'm like, okay, I don't think, I don't think this is going to go anywhere because it's the only thing you can say. It's the only thing you can say for sure. And it's just a, it's a place that has not been explored very much at all in any recent history. But they're not listening to you. See, we've been through this and it's really important to recognize this. There's a wall. There is a wall that each and every one of us can put up where all we see is what we want to see and all we respond to is that. We don't actually see the person behind the wall. 
we're too busy telling ourselves what they're saying and what they're doing and why they're doing it because we're only thinking about ourselves. And so there is a point where you just can't, you just can't get across to people. It doesn't matter how much you talk. It doesn't matter what words you use. It doesn't matter how clever you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they have fucking free will. They don't have to listen to you. They can suffer as long as they would like to. And don't say that because they're not going to appreciate that one either. But it's important to remember that we can do this to ourselves for as long as we want. We really can. There's nothing wrong with that either. Everything is permitted. Right. And so it very much just is letting them do their thing. But I've said this to you as well, and it's important to recognize this. I think it's important for everybody listening to Dualistic Unity to recognize as well that everything that you've gotten out of Dualistic Unity up until this point, this conversation, your life, whatever you'd like to call it, um, is because of you. It's because of how much it means to you to question, because it's how much it means to you to entertain these these questions that at one point would have threatened you and made you feel insecure and make you feel like you didn't have control like how much work you've done on yourself really is the important part it's not about the podcast at all at all and i know that and i said this to andrew the other day you have to recognize that there are some people who have listened to all 160 of our episodes and they haven't heard half of it and it's only because they're not willing to yet. It's not because it's not there. It's because, frankly, they're just not at the point where they're willing to hear some of the stuff that we're saying. And so the mind just blocks it out. Like It's the most interesting thing to watch. Your mind will just go, da 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 listening, 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 thinking about myself. And suddenly there's a whole 20-minute gap where you just missed everything that was said because you were lost thinking about yourself. That happens all the time. It's, it would be almost impossible to just not think about yourself while listening to these episodes. And it's just because we are constantly threatening the idea of you. So immediately your brain's like, protect that. And that's kind of the point. That's why we keep doing this, is to give opportunities to cycle through. But that's just it. We're always missing those things. We're always getting caught in little things that cause us to think about ourselves. Those are the triggers. That's the cycle that we've been talking about. Right. And so it's not about getting anyone to any end result. We're not trying to get you from lost in your head to here and now. There's a whole spectrum in between those those two places or those two perceptions. And anywhere along that spectrum is worth exploring. It's just the danger of getting stuck on one end. That's really all we're ever talking about. And so, yeah, no, just keep that in mind that sometimes people are going to take forever to get even one insight. And that's still worth it. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I I know I need to not that I need to, but uh, being reminded of that definitely helps. And the power of of cognitive dissonance and whatnot is just it's a fascinating force to see, really. But uh, it, it makes me wonder too if people, you know, how often when we get caught up in thinking about ourselves, when you know we're listening to a podcast or reading a book or something. How often if there isn't sometimes like direct symbolism to when you get caught up thinking about ourselves to like missing a part that would have allowed us to let go of that. And it's just that we're we're at the point we uh, get caught up in thinking about ourselves that it's like that five minutes would have it was directly related to whatever the fuck you were going through. 
but it's that i don't know it's that collective ego coming up and like almost being a force in and of itself like it's the i think of it like the like the light side and the dark side of the force in star wars almost like yeah the light side ultimately is more powerful because it's like all encompassing but it's not to say that the dark side isn't super fucking powerful also it's just there there's a there are implications to clinging to the dark side being the control being the desire for you know the ego to live forever basically the idea of me to live forever whereas the light side is the recognition that without you in the way you do live forever and it's like that that gets in the way and so there's always going to be that subtle limitation to the dark side to the egotistical nature to the desire for control to all of that is there's there's you're not quite going to be able to have the capabilities or the freedom that comes with that but at what cost you have to be willing to let go of, of the idea of you let go of that you know the habitual nature that's kept you from peeing your pants you know like you got to be willing to to let go of all of that and and just just relax but uh it's it's always interesting how you know that that comes up and i wonder how often it's like just with how symbolic everything is if uh there are times where you get lost in in your thoughts and we've all had that happen we're reading a book and we read a whole page and we're like what the fuck did that page say and it, it, like we'll go back to it and realize oh there was some good shit in there like if if listening to the podcast of people who are will get caught up in the idea of themselves right at a point where it could have been impactful and it's it's funny the uh i don't know those ends of the spectrum talking about that and being caught up in the idea of yourself or even like if we say something so we can push push on some stuff and probably make people feel pretty uncomfortable as you feel uncomfortable because you feel like we're talking directly to you during conversation like we're which we are of course but uh it's that idea of yourself that's causing you to feel uncomfortable which we're pushing up against and so it, it's like that direct sort of equal and opposite correlation thing i don't even know like how to describe it but i, I find it interesting and i wouldn't be surprised if that you know symbolic aspect of of getting caught in yourself at certain points of the podcast. Um, if there isn't some, some connection there. Oh, oh, absolutely. And I know that just from reading Krishnamurti, like it used to always get to me that I would read through a book of one of Krishnamurti's collections and I would feel really good about how much I got out of it. I'd be like, wow, this is fucking transformative. It's really good. And dealing with stuff, go out, still dealing with stress and judgment and all that other fun stuff. And then, you know, a year later, come back to that same book, start reading it and start seeing things I'd never seen before that somehow my brain had just went, that doesn't exist. So we could continue on to the next thing it could stomach, basically. Funniest process, man. It happens all the time. Uh, we have an interesting question in the comments section here. I wanted to address this one because uh, how much percent of each day do you guys spend in your ego and how much do you spend as nothingness? So I know what my answer is here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask Andrew to give his first because I'm very curious as to where he's going to go with this. 
I just saw that and I was like, that's a very interesting, uh, interesting question. Cause, uh, cause it's not, you know, it's not a, a percentage split. It's like a, uh, Oh, fuck. How do I, how do I even fucking put this? Um, all right, I'm just going to glad they asked this. Yeah, I'm just going to start saying stuff. Um, so it's not so much being ego or being nothingness. It's, it's the weight with which I take things, I think, is, is the, the difference, like how caught up I get in because I'm, I'm going through every experience. I'm going through every situation, whether I'm, I have the, perspective of being divided from it or the perspective of not being divided from it. So it's never that I, I think I'm nothingness because what even is that nothing is everything. Everything is nothing being the perception of division is unity. Unity is the perception of division. There's no division between the perception of division and the recognition of unity. It's one and the same. It's just a, a perception like all of this right now, as much as it feels like we are experiencing duality, we are experiencing unity with the perception of division right now. And so for me, I think it, it comes down to how much weight I give things throughout the day, like how much I think it means about me, whether it's something that happens, someone else says something to me, I say something and someone has, you know, pushback or whatever. And so uh, uh, even that, like, like I want to, part of me wants to be like, I don't know, like 30% caught up in Andrew and 70% like not so caught up in it all the time, but it's not that either. It's like really, uh, it's, it's like a tough thing to, to point to. I would say that in the past in my life, it was basically a hundred percent. Everything meant something about me all the time. And now it's like a much, much lower percentage that things mean something about me. But ah, this is like a real. I feel really weird trying to fucking answer this. Um, uh, so like, I still will get caught up in in things for sure. But it's it's like a quicker loop, kind of like at the start of the episode where I was talking about uh, the person saying something about his his hair, and it was like got caught up for a for a couple seconds. There was a couple thoughts there, and then there was a quick recognition that oh wait, that person's trying to validate themselves. They're trying to build themselves up and push me down and allow themselves to feel better through that. So that is those happen a lot more quickly, um, but. I guess even because uh, even thinking about a day, like the perspective of 24 hours, it's a moment to moment experience. And so it's like a constantly fluctuating weight within myself that's always changing. So it's and I guess I feel like I'm not answering this, but everything I'm saying is like adding to you know an, an answer because it's just a perspective. It's just a sharing of information and that it's all paradoxical and like it's it's. It's not a as finite as people. Someone who asks this probably wants like you know thirty 
30, 70, you know, 60, 40, something, but I'm having a really tough time settling upon that. Like a part of me really wants to, and a part of me really doesn't. And maybe that's it too. Maybe I'm, I'm going in and out of it right now. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed just watching you try. That was great. That was really good for sure. Cause it's tough, right? Your brain's like quantify. And then you start thinking about one side and you're like, okay, but that's not quite it. And then you start thinking about the other side, but that's changing in nature. And you're just like, fuck, how do I, how do you use scales on two sides that are changing form all the time? (laughs) Uh, So uh, my answer would be a hundred percent on both sides pretty much all the time. And what's nice is that both of those sides over time have just changed in nature. And when you say, well, how have they changed in nature? I'm going to say they've both diminished and grown. Because my idea of myself or my ego has changed quite a bit over time in, in that it has diminished in the number of details that I pay attention to. And yet it has grown in being the cornerstone of my experience in reality. Likewise, the same as being nothingness, that has both grown to include being everything and diminished to not even being a concept. That is the best answer I've got. All right. That makes me feel a little bit better about my fucking whirlwind of of just trying to, it's like I was trying to settle on something and not able to. It's like the opposing magnets sort of thing like you keep trying and it keeps pushing you pushing you further away like i kept trying to settle on something and it's like yeah it's not that either because it, it, it's always both both and neither dualistic unity <laughs> yeah like trying to explain a paradox before you recognize that it's a paradox is just going to send you in circles for for a very long time and i think that's where i where i was going with it because there's always the perspective of uh of me but there's also the reality of me at all times forever there's always going to be both no matter what and so to even be able to say like a a percentage you could never possibly settle upon a percentage because it's always both and either it's always a hundred and zero and everything in between always (laughs) You know, I find it funny that everything is quite trying to quantify itself. Right? There's your ego, right? It's like, I need to, I need to measure. It's like, the reality is you can't, <laughs> but it still wants to. And it's always going to be like that because again, that's the foundation of our experience it really is like duality is not a bad thing. Division is not a bad thing. It's just that we've gotten so caught up in the perspective of it as truth. That, that it makes sense to be afraid, makes sense to be greedy, makes sense to compare, makes sense to compete. You know, and it's not because that's reality, but it's just the perspective of reality that we have unfortunately just habitually settled on. That's it. It's not about getting rid of it. It's about taking it less seriously, keeping it in mind even, right? And I think that, that that's really all this conversation is, is just, not telling others to keep it in mind, but keeping it in mind yourself. So that way you change, you change, which makes it easier for everybody else 
to have the opportunity to change because you're not so blocked off. You're not, you know, closing up all of their opportunities to change that you would have been opening had you just been yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like we, there's always, always so much happening and we have the perspective that we could, we ever know what that is. And like we settle upon so much all the time and that becomes a weight like as every time we settle things get heavier like as we keep as we keep moving without the settlement upon things like we stay free but even as i'm saying that like you can move but if you're moving away from a settled perspective it can still be a weight it's like if you've settled upon something, you're like, okay, that's it. I'm going to keep running, you know, away from that. It's not it either. You're just moving, dropping that idea that you're, you're running towards or away from anything. Cause, cause if those perspectives are there, even if you're running, it doesn't matter because you've still settled upon something at a certain point and then are running relative to that, you know, in a direction towards or away. And so it, it, it's just a dropping of anything you ever settle upon and continuing to move through that with, uh, with as much grace as you can. But yeah, it's just the, uh, the settling that, that gets in the way that causes the distortion ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's not hard, right? That's it. It's simple. It's not easy. It's repetitive. That's it. So the, we always try and get to this point where like, ah, I've made it. Nope. Because there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you, all of us. It's all you. Right. And so you'll know when you've made it, when this is all changed. <laughs> and then guess what? It's going to keep changing. So you've never made it anyway. It's you. There's nowhere to get to. You're already there, which means that you're always the journey. Just accept it. It's that paradox again, right? It's the journey to nowhere forever now. Good times. <laughs> I wanted to mention very quickly that, of course, at the end of this uh, live stream today, we will be continuing on Patreon for a tier two call today uh, and tier three immediately after that. Uh, a lot of fun. It's going to be three and a half hours of conversation for anybody who can join both groups. Uh, we'll be continuing on at the top of the hour. You are welcome to join us, of course, patreon.com slash dualistic unity. If you can't make it to one of the tiers today, we have a tier one call on Mondays, uh, as well as a free group on Wednesdays. So you can join us there. Very much worth joining Patreon. If you are enjoying the podcast, uh, you get direct access to Andrew and myself, as well as some fairly significant discounts on our workshops and our retreat tickets and so on and so forth. Speaking of which, the retreat in the Netherlands is still coming up. We have 24 tickets left. That's all we have. So 10 tickets are already sold. Uh, the third floor shared rooms are about half booked now. Uh, now, those are the cheapest tickets that are available. And those two shared rooms uh, will get private group chats with Andrew and myself at some point over the retreat, just because you are willingly sharing a space with five other people. You all get your own beds and all that, and there's a bathroom and whatnot, but uh, you're going to have kind of like a camp out and we kind of want to be a part of that at some point. So we'll be dropping by with, you know, some, some chips and some, some snacks and maybe a couple of drinks and 
I'll be rolling some joints and it's going to be a good time. Um, so if you can make it to the retreat in the Netherlands, we do highly recommend it. This is going to be a different kind of retreat in that this is going to be a community event. The retreat that we hold here on Vancouver Island is also a community event, but it is much smaller and more intimate, has only nine guests. And so we spend a lot of time you know, in small little discussions uh, and going for walks and stuff in that retreat. It's magical. It's absolutely fantastic. But in the Netherlands, we're going to have 34 community members, not including Andrew and myself. Um, it's going to be huge in comparison. It's going to be nine days of just basking in everything that dualistic unity is and, and talking about it. And we're going to have cameras there. So anybody who's at the event can actually record their thoughts and they can share what it is they're getting out of the retreat. We highly encourage you to go and buy your tickets now. They are available on dualisticunity.com. Hell yeah. That, uh, <laughs> fucking so excited for that. And we have our uh, April retreat coming up in less than three weeks now it was three weeks from yesterday starting so we're within the uh two plus week range here and yeah that's uh that's gonna be incredible but yeah and then netherlands and possibly something uh in colorado in between we shall see but yeah this is this is what it's all about and as our resources build we'll just be able to do more and more of these things just events, opportunities, situations in which you can more easily let go a space in which you can see that it's actually possible in a reality that you didn't think it would ever be possible. Like, oh shit, this is possible here. Maybe it's possible in my life to a degree. And and we're so inundated with so many things throughout our lives and, and in our situations and in society that it can be very hard to even catch a glimpse of the possibility of it. So once you get your glimpse, once you get a taste of it, you're like, oh shit, this is possible. Oh, I, I can do this. And that's really what uh, a big aspect of the retreats are giving people the opportunity to see the possibility in being free in themselves, the opportunity in being able to let go, being able to be vulnerable, being able to not need to cling to so much fucking armor all the time, be able to peel themselves back a little bit and be sensitive to their environment and reality and just feel where they're at because so many people throughout their lives, whether it's trauma or society or expectations or whatever, kind of resist the sensitivity to reality out of, out of fear, out of a way to protect themselves, which is totally understandable. Like there's lots of reasons to protect yourself in that society that we uh that we are but once you get a taste for the fact that you don't have to so much that it is possible to live free and not be taken advantage taken advantage of as often and be sensitive to where you're at and show compassion for those people and all of those things experience a deep state of empathy it's like oh everything everything shifts everything changes and so that's uh yeah that's all we're ever trying to do but that uh yeah that netherlands retreat's gonna be fucking a blast it's gonna be like a it was like a sort of music festival type vibe but even more fun so yeah it's gonna be gonna be awesome <laughs> yes and i wanted to mention actually on uh on the note of changing everything 
as we are moving forward that uh, Andrew and myself and our fantastic team member, Amanda, actually had a meeting with two of the um, operators of the Global Consciousness Project on Friday. Uh, we are officially working with them. Uh, we're going to be getting a random number generator uh, here in my office in the nearish future, within the next couple of months, um, which is going to basically be used to further their experimentation into whether or not changes in our collective consciousness actually have an effect over the randomness that is generated. Uh, by these random number generators. They have these all over the world. So dualistic unity is going to be getting one for in here. Uh, we're encouraging them at some point to compare the data set between when our random number generator is uh, in a group discussion versus when it's not compared to the rest of the world included. Uh, as we continue in this project, they're going to make more of these random number generators available to us. And so we were going to go out of our way to purchase some and send them to some key members of our community who are also in a lot of these groups, because it would be great to have a smaller data set of community members and to look at, at the difference between when they're in a group versus when they're not, and look at the difference between their readings through their work in, in asking themselves questions and getting rid of their identity and lowering that, that level of distortion compared to the rest of the world around them. How will dualistic unity members, as it were, affect the overall data set for the world? Because there are a lot of these random number generators. So this is all stuff we're going to be talking to them about as we move forward. There are also other research projects that we're looking at getting involved with in terms of what they're doing, some stuff regarding our conscious effect on trees, a few other things, but that's all long-term, but we're really excited by the fact that we are now a part of this project, that Dualistic Unity is going to be a participant in the Global Consciousness Project, which I have heard about for 15 years and been super interested in. So this is kind of a dream come true for me. I'm gonna have one of these fucking things right beside me. Woo, that's gonna be fun. And it's gonna to come to the retreats with me, which is also going to be fun. So there's a lot of possibility here. And uh, it's, just, it's just the beginning of what could end up being a whole other branch of research down the road. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fucking awesome. Cause I think with Global Consciousness Project, like we're very aligned with everything they're, you know, they're trying to measure and everything we're not trying to do, but just doing. Um, but I think the thing that we're going to add to that conversation is the genuine recognition of unity. Like as much as you can recognize that you know, we're all one and, and measuring all of that, there's still the, the perspective that it's, you know, it's the, uh, computer network connection like we're all computers and we're all connected in that way but going beyond that it's like no it's it's just all one computer one computer expressed uh expressed infinitely and so i think through that it'll be interesting to see because they they very much hold on to the perspective that oh more people have more of an impact and it's not i'm not saying that that may not be the case, but it makes me wonder, like, if a few people are able to go really fucking deep into that, like, how much effect that could have? Like, could that have the effect of a bunch of people who are not going very deep, who are who are still maintaining very much a strong perception of division, but just thinking about the same thing? You know, they said the numbers got way less random around something like 9-11, but 
it's not to say that everyone was was getting super deep. It was just I think there was a dropping of ourselves a bit because we we were focused on something outside of ourselves, but a lot of it was still involved in like, you know, what does this mean about me? Like I'm afraid for myself, but I'm also afraid there was like probably a lot more empathy going on. But if if a few people say at our retreats were able to recognize it very deeply together in one spot, who's to say there can't be a massive impact on that? If it is one mind, if it's all my mind, who's to say that that couldn't have the most impact on something like that? It, uh, yeah, it makes me wonder. And I'm very excited to just be in communication with them, be working with them because that's like, I mean, it's the perfect type of organization for us to be involved with because there's going to be a ton of growth. There's going to be a ton of opportunities for measurement on maybe quote unquote smaller scale right now, but eventually a much, much larger scale. And so it'll be very interesting to see the, the progress with that and just how it, how it all sort of happens, comes together and, and what those interactions continue to be like, but it'll no doubtably undoubtedly be a lot of fun. Oh, undoubtedly. And I just wanted to say quickly to the person who asked in the comment section before Amanda throws out the information, because I know she will, um, that the random number generator that I am getting is not actually available to the public at the moment. We actually went through quite a bit. And by we, I mean, Amanda went through quite a bit to make this happen so soon. Um, we are working on being able to make those more available to people in terms of as the global consciousness project moves forward right now, a lot of these random number generators are being developed. So they're in development and just not available, uh, except to people they've agreed to partner with like us. So, uh, just, hold your horses, be patient. Uh, if you can join us on Patreon, you'll be the first to know when we can actually make those more available to everyone. So just, just wanted to throw that out there. I also wanted to make uh, a point that as Andrew was saying about the Global Consciousness Project and the reading that they got just, just as 9-11 was coming up, um, uncertainty. I was alive for 9-11. I remember that day. The uncertainty that you could feel in the world was palatable. That's why there was so much fear, right? The uncertainty was just ratcheted right up through the roof. And, and so I think that is what's affecting things. I think that as soon as uncertainty is uh, more accepted or more recognized, that there is a degree of order that our consciousness immediately tries to impose. So I wonder if that has something to do with the randomness of those generators, which would make sense because they were actually telling us on Friday that they, they went to one meditation with a large group and had no reading whatsoever. And then they went to another meditation with a different group who had been led by somebody who was more along the vein of what we're talking about here. And they did get readings from that group. And so they're like, well, that's really interesting. And we actually posited in the group. Possibly that's because the one group of meditators, quote unquote, weren't meditating. They were thinking about themselves. Could be as simple as that, that there is in fact a difference in our egotistical perspective. As soon as we're just self-validating, perhaps we're not having the same impact. And that's exactly what we've been saying. So I'm curious to see how that works out over the long term in terms of uh, 
being a part of this project. It's going to be a lot of fun. And there's a lot of questions. And I know we have a lot of community members have who have some great ideas. And we're going to get to hear from them as we move forward with this project, of course, and others, because now that we're in this, we're going to keep looking. Yeah, and uh, that that actually reminds me in that conversation, I don't know if it was you saying this or someone else, but with the 9-11 readings, was it true that the randomness it became less random before the attacks like actually before like have you looked into that yeah yeah there was a mark like just before just before yeah. so it's like awareness knew it was coming and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about about uh, epiphenomenalism right all of a sudden it was just rippled through us like it was coming damn like that, I remember, I, and I wrote that down and I forgot to bring it up, but holy shit, that's like fucking nuts because it shows because you would think with that that it would, you know, be after the fact, the uncertainty, the fear, all of that comes in once people find out what happened, that the randomness drops, but it actually happened before. So that that's a completely different conversation. It's not like a cause and effect type thing. It's and and the deeper you go like with precognition. Yeah. With the recognition, it's like that experience, that situation, that event was a a, a ripple that that came from a very uh mentality that had been perpetuated through a lot of different things, a lot of distortion, a lot of illusion. So the bubbling up of that like came to a head in that event, but it's almost like if it was coming up, if it was bubbling up and then the event and then like the sort of aftermath of it, it's like at a point as it's bubbling up, the numbers become less and less random and then it comes to a head because time doesn't exist in sequence it's not like that. It, it's just here now. Time doesn't actually exist. And so it's just, it's almost like a felt bubbling up of it that came to a head in the event. But there was no, it's not like time was involved. It's not the aftermath of it. It's there was an event and there was, there are impacts, but there were impacts leading up to said event also. It's almost like our perspective of how it's cascading is a little bit limited, right? Like we're, we're looking at it as just da, 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 instead of it being one full event expressed over time, right? It's all connected with past and the future. They, they are all the same thing happening, right? From a different perspective, but we don't look at it that way. We break it down as this led to this, led to this, led to this, but it's this full contraction of our collective. We just don't see it that way because of our very limited perspective on things. Yeah, because then, you know, the the aftermath, all of those ripples go in both directions. They both reinforce fear, but provide an opportunity to wake up and let go of the narrative as well. And it's. Even now, you've said how you you have noticed and interacted with so many more people having this conversation now and yet on the flip side there is so much more desire for control even we're seeing you know china come up with the uh 
uh, whatever, what's it, what's it called again? The, uh, social credit system. Yeah. Social credit system and all of that. And we're starting to see the U S be more intrigued with, with something like that. And then on the flip side, it's, it's people waking up to the recognition that they're not what they think they are. So we're seeing both kind of in tandem happening simultaneously as always, but just flowing in and out of it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, it's going it to be a hell of a show. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. It's not just China, it's the World Economic Forum and, you know, the system as a whole, the ego trying desperately to keep what it has in terms of, you know, self-defining. This makes us fucking superior, all that fun stuff. So yeah, it's going to be a hell of a journey. I don't know which way it's going to go, but if anybody's curious, we have an episode in season two called The Big One. Go and check that one out. It's a lot of fun. In fact, if you haven't checked out season two, go and check out season two. Season two is fucking awesome, in my opinion. And it's just because by the end of season one, Andrew more or less got most of this shit. And he's just like, all right, let's talk about the bigger picture. And so season two is largely bigger picture stuff. Check it out. If you haven't checked out season one, go there first. We have a great question here. And I'm just going to wrap this up because this one's important. Is the purpose of us being here to reach a level of understanding that allows us the freedom to not be reborn on this planet again? Does being afraid of being reborn on this planet sound like freedom to you? I just want to throw that out there. Let's abandon the idea that you can ever get out of being everything. Let's get out of the idea that you will never not always be every life that's ever existed on this planet or ever will exist. Let's just, let's just work from there. Okay. Is it about not being born on this planet or is it about the ripple you make while you're here? Because if it's always you in every life and everything that's happened is the cause of a cascade of all of your intentions rippling off of every other incarnation of you and then further and further and further, then the world is what you've made it. Maybe it's not about trying to escape. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's about taking responsibility as everything, as the world itself, and making a different ripple that impacts different incarnations so they can make a different ripple. So that way, it's never about escaping here. It's about being here. So that way, here reflects the wholeness that you feel in yourself. It's not about leaving. That's that Dolores Cannon bullshit. And it's always this spiritual escapism like oh world is the earth is so terrible no we just made it that way there are moments of beauty everywhere if you just escape the thing that is distorting your perception which is your idea of yourself and you don't have to escape it just recognize it for what it is not the truth and what you find is eternity and a lot of opportunity and the energy to take advantage of that opportunity which is what this is all about so no to answer your question, that's definitely not it, but it is about freedom. So if you're curious, go back to episode one, season one, scratching the surface, go through the all of season one and you'll see what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and by being here, it's like actually being here, paying attention to where you're at, what you're doing, what you're, what you're going through and not trying to, as I said, not, not escaping anything. Cause there's nothing to escape. You're, you're here now forever. It's just a dropping of the the idea that there's anything to escape or the desire to escape it and, and letting go of the idea of taking the idea of you so seriously that reinforces the illusion that 
you know, you, you do die and you could be reborn again on this planet. That's all rooted in the illusion of you believing that you are the extent of you. Your idea of you is the extent of you. This iteration, this body is, that's it. That's, that's me. No, Mm -mm. you've just settled upon a lot of false certainty. It's gotten to you to a point where, you know, you believe that to be the truth. And then it comes with a lot of suffering and, and therefore you want to escape the here and now you want to escape this planet and you can't, you're here now forever for eternity. So let go of the desire to, uh, to escape, let go of the illusion that your value can go up and down and you'll start to at least see some, see a little bit more clarity that will allow you to see other options and see that you, there's something to do here. There's influence to be had here. It's not about getting somewhere else. You're, you're it. You're the only thing that's ever been and ever will be. So what do you want to do with it? What ripple do you want to make? And, and that's all it comes down to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just, just keep going. Just keep going. Because once you're free, you don't want to escape. Right? That's the whole thing. You come full circle. You come all the way so far out of your ego that you start to recognize that it was never your enemy. It's just that you, you lost sight of it. That's all it is. You just lost sight of it. And you got carried away. And, and now you're just trying to catch your balance again. And it's not as hard as you might think, but it is important to recognize that you will be pulled and pushed by everyone who is either afraid or needs you to validate them. Just keep that in mind. A lot of the people who are like, this is the answer. It's because they really want there to be one. And if you believe them, then obviously they're closer to the truth, right? If it wasn't for the fact that I don't give a fuck if you agree with me or not, I wouldn't be doing this show. Try and keep that in mind. Likewise. And uh, yeah, the last comment was hoping I could become nothing. You kind of already are. You're never what you think. You're already dead. Might as well do something with the experience, right? Nothing is potentially everything. So enjoy yourself. And on that note, we're going to end, end this episode of Dualistic Unity Raw. If you would like to listen to this recording after the fact, we do post it in the evenings as an episode of Dualistic Unity Raw. This one's going to be episode 39. I believe uh, we have another one recording tomorrow morning, same time on Twitch. And then Tuesday night, we're going to be hosting a roundtable event where tier two and tier three patrons can join us on the screen for an episode of our podcast. It's always a lot of fun. We've had a few so far. You're welcome to check them out either on YouTube or whatever podcast platform you prefer. Uh, Dualistic Unity, we're always going to be here. We've been here forever and now we're just talking about it more. So we're glad that you're here to join us. And hopefully we'll see you in about 15 minutes. Bye, everyone.